This is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KYW News Radio's Greg Orlandini. Our guest this week is Doug Vosick, Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communication for the Philadelphia Union. We talk about jerseys and some other behind-the-scenes happenings with the union. Then we take your questions from Twitter. I want to thank you first for uh, joining us tonight, Doug Vosick from the Philadelphia Union. Uh, I don't know if you've heard. I know uh, my good friend that works for the team, Adam Can, has been following it. But hot topic on our program as of late has been the Union jerseys, and you know, there's been a lot of opinions on Twitter. Kind of, we voice a lot of opinions about what's going on on the program, and it's great to have you on because we really want to get the uh, Union's take. So, you just recently rolled out the uh, the away jerseys as some fanfare. So, if you want to talk about that, we could uh, yeah, just let us know what's up with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, talking about the design itself and how we landed on the Inspired by You program, quite honestly, going into our 10th season, uh, we really wanted to find a design that could bring the fans into the process. Um, whereas, you know, most of the time, right, clubs work with Adidas in their respective league on their jersey. They decide what the embellishments should be on the jersey, and then they kind of put it out to the public and, and hope that, that fans respond well and like it. And typically the true ability for a club to customize their kit isn't really through the design, isn't really through the fabrics, the graphics, what have you. Typically, the true opportunity to customize or storytell, that's the way you want to look at it, is through the embellishments. And how the embellishment program works with Adidas is you get two places to embellish every single kit. And you get to choose between lower jock tag on the front, inside the neck, or outside the neck on the back. So, Typically, a club will choose two of those things. They'll pick whatever story they want to tell, whatever art they want to use, and put it out to the public. So for us, knowing that those embellishments were our chance to bring the fans in, that's really where we landed on the whole um, fan-voted process to determine what that back of next patch should be. So that was really the genesis of the idea was, let's have fans decide what to go on the back of the neck. Let the, let the players decide what they want on the back of their neck. So if you're Ale and you want to show your love for Sons of Ben, you're going to rock the Sons of Ben design. If you're CJ and really love your time in Philly so far, you might choose a skyline. So it's a pretty, pretty cool process to go through that we could bring people in to vote uh, on social media and our website on their favorite designs. And to be honest, instead of just having, you know, my, my couple of designers here put out 100 different logos, we thought it'd be really cool to show that there's a lot of people in this city outside of just us and our fans that like soccer. So whether it's Zach and Julie, whether it's Bree, whether it's the Wonder Years, who, whoever it may be, there's other people that love our game and love our team. And when we started talking to them about this, they're like, yo, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool if we could help contribute to those designs. And that's how we landed on the whole program to bring those guys in to have each of them help co-create 10 different designs that the fans ultimately voted on to pick the final for each one of those influencers. So kind of cool way to kind of bring community together on this one and say, you know, not only are we going to let fans vote on what should be on the back of neck, which is typically predetermined by all clubs, we're going to take it one step further and look at some of the, you know, powerful voices in our market, regardless of music or sport, that just love soccer and want to help co-create and design for us. So that was the genesis of the program. And the design itself, yeah, um, if you want to dig into it all about how the process works behind the scenes, I'll, I'll be happy to elaborate on that. Uh but for us, how we landed on that radial design for the Sun, the design process with Adidas and MLS for, for 2019, it was, it was a little bit more firm than in years past, where clubs were kind of given two options from a design inspiration. Uh, Adidas said, hey, 
we're going to do this whole digital glitch kind of inspiration that's really birthed from all the uh, different video games, right? FIFA and kind mm-hmm. of dig- digitalization of everything. Or you can go super plain. So I think what you're going to see as every single team rolls out their kit this year, you're going to see clubs go in two directions, either super, super, super plain, meaning one color, um, or some kind of pattern that goes through a digital process. And for us, we didn't want to go overly plain. So we wanted to find a design or a pattern that actually meant something to us versus just who knows what it could be. I think when you go and you'll see some of the kits this year, like, yeah, I like the diagonal stripes. So I chose that, right? Uh, and for us, the answer is pretty simple. As you look at some of the beautiful TIFOs Sons of Ben have done over the years, they use a lot of sunburst radials in them. And if you look at the one place in our stadium, other than the bridge view, where fans take photos nonstop on every game, it's the really cool mural that Sons of Ben did with that cool radio on the back. So for us, we're just like, man, people love that radio. Sons of Ben love that radio. Let's use that as the pattern we give to Adidas to kind of create our little glitching effect. Uh, so those two things together, you know, one inspired by the fans and the different influencers in the city that love our game, and two was Sons of Ben's own artwork that they use in Tifos. Um, so you talked about, I don't want to say limited, but, I mean, you, you only have a few options working with Adidas. Do you, do you find, and it, it sounds like it's the same for all the teams, do you find kind of working within those parameters limiting for getting a design, getting a style out there for, for the Union jerseys? You know, I, I won't say limiting isn't the right word, but it's a process. And it's a process because there's there's three parties at the table for any kit design cycle. One is Adidas, of course. Two is the league. And three is the club. And Adidas will have a global design direction that they are bringing to all kits, regardless of league, regardless of national team. MLS, depending on the year, might have their own design philosophy that they'd like to see incorporated throughout the league. And then you have the club as well at the table that says, well, here's what's important to us. Here are the stories we're trying to tell. Sometimes those stories are thematic. Sometimes they're just colors. Sometimes they're designs, what have you. So any process is a meeting of the minds of, of three different parties. And you're trying to basically reconcile, you know, everyone's best interest throughout that process. So it's, a, it's, it's not limiting, but, but it is a process. And anytime there is a process, you know, it's not the club 100% dictating this is what we want, right? You're taking everyone's knowledge and everyone's expertise into account to, to get to a finished product. And at the end of the day, right, some kits are better than others, some sell better than others, and sometimes that's reflective of the options, and sometimes that's reflective of overall design decisions. So um, limiting is not the right word, but it is a process of many parties with strong opinions to land at an end product that that uh, may go different ways. Um, some of the feedback we've gotten, some of the discussions we've had is about the away kit is white again. And, you know, there, it, within the Philadelphia Union color scheme, there's a lot, there's some more things to choose from that, you know, has the gold, which is in there. And, you know, in past there's been some lighter colored blues and things like that. Um, again, was that, something the union wanted to continue with having a white kid? Is that a dictate from Adidas? This is like, that's one of the parameters you're working within. Not, not necessarily, but, but you are right. There is a history of our club using two colors for their kits outside of the initial gold or, or nudes as our fans call them. Right. Um, the gold nude is, is, is challenging still from a fabric perspective with, with Adidas. It would be interesting. I can't say that it would lead to strong consumer sales through all the different research that's been done on it. 
but right now it's not in a material position yet to, to revisit. Maybe it is in the future. So it's never off the table, mm-hmm. but right now seeing the fabric options and how it comes to life, you're still going to end up with a bland or sand colored kit versus something that's truly supposed to represent gold or metallic or sheen. So that, that one kind of just falls out by nature of the fabrics available in the market that work for performance, right? Because mm-hmm. Adidas is first and foremost is it needs to perform, it needs to breathe, it needs to stretch, it needs to move. And a lot of times the metallic sheen fabrics, they're very constricting. So by nature of kind of form and performance first, that kind of goes out aside from just flat tan and sand looking graphics. Second, you are right. There are other colors in our palette. For instance, the, the signal blue, right, or city blue. Uh, some of the fans call it as well. It, it is an option. And I think we went into this design process saying, you know what, we have a history of white. Let's take one more run at white, knowing what Adidas has in store for the global design approach for 2019. White will probably give us um, the best look for this season. Um, and we'll carry on that tradition of white. And not that I'm giving anything away by any means, but you know, we will be starting the 2021 kit planning process in about six to eight weeks. And we're not going into that thinking white. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, another thing that we, we discussed is kind of what's on the front of the jersey. And this was actually something Tim McDermott brought up that they've talked to Bimbo about having, you know, that Bimbo's, there's so many products under the Bimbo umbrella now, uh, some that may engage with, you know, American audience is a little better than what Bimbo does and that there's a possibility that, you know, if the deal continues, that one of those products may end up on, on, on the front. Uh, how deep is that discussion in the, at this point? Yeah, it's a, it's a real discussion. So the Tim is pretty transparent about, about those things. He shared with, you know, the fans in the community about uh, the next kid sponsored deal that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's obviously plenty of discussions with Bimbo and others about who that partner could be. Uh, if it is Bimbo, as, as Tim shared, you know, they, they are a great partner. They are seeing value in the partnership and they are realizing the same thing you're saying is that if they have the rights to multiple jerseys, why not use it to market cross product for themselves? So um, if Bimbo is the partner that, that does continue, I'd say they are very, very interested in that now. In previous years, I, I will share, you know, the multiple logos on different jerseys was not something that fit commercial guidelines with MLS. Those guidelines have also changed, which enables clubs to have different partners on different jerseys under the same company. So I think when you're going into your next jersey partner cycle, everything is meeting perfectly in terms of we have a current partner. If they decide to be our, our, our renewed partner, if the business deal makes sense, they are interested in what other brands can do on those jerseys. And then you also have the league saying the commercial guidelines are way more flexible now in terms of different brands on primary, secondary, and even academies going forward. So it's a perfect timing that we will be able to make changes and leverage some of those brands if Bimbo is our continued partner on future kits. So, you know, most MLS fans are fans of soccer in general and watch other leagues and, you know, leagues in Europe and, and you know, leagues in South America and such. Um, most of those leagues, the teams individually work out their jersey deals. Um, do you ever envision that happening in MLS? You know, I, I can't say ever, right? Ever's a, ever's a very mm-hmm. long time <laughs> from now. 
but you've seen what Adidas has done, right, in terms of locking up long-term deals with MLS. Mm-hmm. And it, it's because they see the value of what a growth platform this league is for them going forward to build soccer in North America, to build future consumer product sales outside of soccer using MLS as their platform to showcase it and what have you. So um, uh, who knows what lies down the road 30, 40 years from now, because our commercial landscape is going to look totally different, right, across the board Mm -hmm. as MLS continues to flourish and continues to grow and does become a top league in the world when that time comes. That changes economics. That changes everything. But for right now, you know, Adidas and the league continue to to renew long-term deals because both parties see the extreme upside and the value of that deal. And, and I will share, someone who, who worked at a previous brand in global football, um, not all deals are great. If you look at the global landscape, yeah, you see a lot of the big dollar deals that go down in Europe because all the blogs cover them. But there's a lot of deals that happen in Tier 1 and Tier 2 football across the world. I'll say soccer because we're in America, uh, across the world that are not huge financial benefits for the club. So by being part of MLS at the current growth state of our league, we're probably able to to leverage a much, much larger deal with a global player um, than what you're seeing in Europe, right? You're seeing teams in in the Premier League take on very, very small brands as their supplier, like Macron. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with Macron, but the financial deals obviously aren't the same as working with an Adidas or a Nike, right? So for now, it's a fantastic setup that we have that the league's able to broker a league-wide deal for all teams because we're all able to reap the benefits of it versus going out there on your own. 40, 30 years from now, who knows? Uh, as much as you could talk numbers, uh, where, where, where does the union lie as far as uh, merchandise sales and uh, within the league? Yeah, I can't I can't share specifics, but I could tell you we are top ten in the league for our consumer product sales. And uh, has it always been kind of has it been a, a steady growth for that as far as merchandise from like kind of year one up to up to this point, or as you know, as things flatline as, again. As much as you can talk uh, hard numbers, I mean, kind of is the, is there growth for the union as far as merchandise? Yeah, of course. There's year over year growth because that is you know, signs of a, of a healthy business from a consumer product side, where there is a huge amount of upside, however, is expanding product categories. And that's why I think you've seen the league in the recent deals go to various different suppliers who are experts in their category. So in years past, right, Adidas was your supplier for on-field, for fanwear, for hats, for even some hard good and soft goods, right? They were, they were the supplier for everything. Mm-hmm. And now when you come into the store, even as early as last year, right, you're seeing specialists come into the field where you're seeing uh, a new era take over the cat business, right? You're seeing a Mitchell and Ness try to put a foot on the lifestyle business. You're seeing Fanatics come in as private label that does a little bit of everything. And you're seeing Adidas really focus on on-field uh, jerseys, kits, and of course, warm-up zips, pants, and all those kinds of things. So where we can grow the business, aside from just it naturally grows as fans grow, is really having expert suppliers in those categories that can give us the best product for the fans. So we're looking forward to all these new deals and the assortment we're going to have because the, the companies who are specialists are just better in tune with what the fans want than one company trying to produce everything. Okay, I'm going I'm to shift gears a little bit to a different aspect of uh, uh, kind of the thing, uh, things that you can speak about. Um, we'll talk about broadcasting uh, a little bit before we wrap up. The union, they're going to be back on Channel 6, 6ABC, 
WPHL and, and on one of Channel Six's digital uh, channels, which is the Live Well. If I'm saying that correct, the Live Well uh, network. Live Well network. Yep. Um, how 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 has that deal been for the union in the last couple of years? Uh, so yeah, last year was our first year of moving to PHL 17 and, and 6 ABC as our partners. Um, and as you know from previous years, we were at Comcast, NBC Sports. Um, I would say after year one of the relationship, we are we are thrilled. And the reason why I say we are thrilled is because the metrics are backing that up. They're obviously great partners from a business perspective. 6 ABC produces the game, meaning shoots the game, edits the game. And they work with my broadcast manager to actually direct and cut the game. Um, and PHL 17 is our majority of our airing partner. So they, they work together on that. One mostly on the production side, airs a few games on the network, PHL 17 on the distribution side. Some quick facts for you that show why they are such a great partner. If you look at original air only, so previous to this relationship, an original air game in 20. 17 versus an original aired game in 2018, our ratings are up 100% for original air of games. Simply by switching to PHL 17 to, to hold most of the games and 6ABC to hold the remainder of the games. So that switch alone, because they have so much more market coverage, and it's the first time you don't need cable to see the games, we've grown drastically in our average TV audience, up 100% on original air. The other thing we're seeing by this switch is our TV audience is getting even younger. Our ratings points are higher than they've ever been since inception with 18 to 34 year olds as of 2018. Males and females, not just males dominating categories. So for us, when you look at those two things alone, with 100% growth in your overall ratings and you're skewing younger than you ever have, those are really great signs that the relationship is working. Um, what about stream options? I mean, the, the just the nature of how people consume media um, is shifting and changing, as I'm sure you know. I'm sure it's stuff you guys look at all the time. Um, what, what are will there be more stream options down the line? Do you, do you think? Do you hope? Uh, for people, because again, people, you know, they want that portability. They want that ability, you know, maybe just kind of sit on the couch and have their phone, their laptop or whatever, if they're on the go out having a picnic, something like that, to have that option to stream a game kind of in a more mobile fashion. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're, you're spot on. Um, obviously, a trend is obviously something we're aware of. And as we skew even younger, as we grow our fan base over the years, digital is where it's at to, to consume and to stream. So, um, you, you, you are right. You know that there is a deal with the league for ESPN Plus mm-hmm. for out-of-market streaming, right? So that exists whether you're a union fan and you've left the territory, you've left the area, or by chance you happen to be a union fan and, and never never lived here, you have the option. Where we have the gap right now is in-market streaming, right? And Tim's been pretty transparent about that as well. Of in ter- To have a local market stream, we need to line up partnerships that enable to do that. Because to have your local market stream, you need to buy rights from the league to, to have that asset. So for us, you know, we continue to look at partners. We continue to meet with partners every single month to determine who the best in-market streaming option is for us. And as soon as we find that right partnership and mix, you know, we look forward to launching that to, to our fans for in-market. Until then, it's something obviously top of mind. and something we continue to work on um, that, hope, that hopefully gets resolved in the future. Do you have... Uh 
a rough timeline of, of something like that happening? Or do you think it would happen within the season or, or it's, 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 a, it's a lot of long-term planning on that? It's, it's long-term planning because mm-hmm. to do it right, we have to take our time, right? You could, you could take the deal now that maybe won't be the best for the fans in the wrong run. Or you could wait to see a deal that is beneficial to all. So we just don't want to take the first couple suitors that come our way that at the end of the day may not be the best fan experience. If you're going to bring streaming to the market, it's got to be something pro-fan. So maybe that's the reason why it hasn't come to life yet. Um, But obviously, it's something that is top of mind that we are continually talking about. But it's got to be right for our fans. So, Doug, uh, wrap up soon. But we are just, you know, a couple weeks out uh, from the home opener against Toronto. And it kind of all happens. Everything ends up on the field and all the things we're talking about. You know, the excitement happens there. Uh, What's something you're excited about going into this season? Listen, hey, it's our our 10th season, right? So, very exciting time for it to be the 10th year, you know, not knowing my personal story here. Um, when I was living up towards the New York market in 2010, I, I became a Philadelphia Union season ticket holder. This is where I'm from. So for me, it's been an interesting journey in soccer in my life and MLS in the Philadelphia Union that 2010 to 2014, I sat in those seats Saturdays and Sundays and watched the games. And now, you know, two years ago, I was able to join this club and, and to work for my hometown club. So for me, it's a little a little sweet in the fact that, hey, I'm here for, for the 10th season. I'm here for the anniversary, and I used to be the guy sitting in the stands having having a drink on a Saturday and Sunday watching the boys in blue. So something exciting for that for me personally. For fans, yes, it's the 10th season. If you look at kind of how old we are in this market with teams that have been around forever, it's a, it is a milestone, right? So it's exciting that we're here. We're 10 years in. And I would say outside of just pulling on nostalgia, that's part of it. But I'm really excited about what's happening on field. And, you know, like I said, I'm not the technical side of the house. It's not my place to really talk about it. But I'll talk about it from a previous season ticket holder perspective, right? As you guys have seen, Ernst is carrying on our model, right? Mm -hmm. Ernst is a believer in our system, but he's bringing a very different approach to it, right? He's bringing a different methodology, bringing a different tactical system, a different way to train and look at things. He's bringing in different talent than we've had before. So for me, I'm I'm super excited on the fan side of me just to see what Ernst is going to do this year, given all the changes and his tactical brain that he's bringing to this club. And yeah, you you've been you've been listening to the rumors, you've been seeing some things out there. You know, I can't speak about those things, but hey, it's pretty exciting to be a Philadelphia Union fan and to see those rumors out there. So um, I'm pumped just to see what happens on field this year. And the trust and the excitement I see with with Ernst and Jim and the team and all the new things happening on that side. Well, Doug, I want to thank you very much. This was uh, very informative. I think uh, our listeners are going to enjoy this. You know, get some of the behind the scenes uh, view of some of the things they've been kind of interacting with us again on Twitter and some of the things we've been talking about. So, getting like I said, you know, wanted to get the team's take on some of these things, and I think it, it, it was pretty eye opening, very interesting. So, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. Thank you very much. And that was Doug Vosick from the Philadelphia Union talking to us about some of the off-the-field things happening with the team, including about something we've been talking about a lot here on the show, jerseys, and a little bit about the uh, little insight into the broadcast situation. So uh, I want to thank, again, I want to thank Doug for joining us. And uh, right now we're going to get into some of your Twitter questions. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thank everybody for uh, sending us some Twitter 
questions, which I put this out early and, uh, it's always good to get the feedback from the listeners and, uh, going to just talk about some of the questions about the rumors that are out there first, uh, you need to make a signing that's definitely happened in Kai Wagner, a left back, which is something source of need for the team for a very long time off and on. Uh, and he's coming from the third division in Germany. Uh, Ernst Tanner is very excited about him. Uh, it sounds like a player he knows pretty well coming over uh, and says the, the rate of play in the third division will prepare a guy like uh, Wagner for MLS. So be interesting, interesting to see. Going to create some competition on that side. I know Matt Real in the mix. Uh, he, you know, played a bit last year. Had a bit of a choppy uh, training camp last year. I think with some injuries and stuff. Never really got his feet on him. But is definitely in the setup for the U.S. Men's National Team Youth System, and they're very high on him on that end. And obviously, I think the team is as well. So, but it's going to create some competition. Push him along probably or. You know, Wagner could come in and win the win the position outright, and you know, and Real continues to train and continues to uh, work towards being a uh, starter in MLS, and he will be away probably for uh, some time for the U uh, twenty. Uh, I believe it's yes, the U twenty uh, World Cup is this year, and the US are involved. So, uh, so it's interesting in that. And of course, the big question and the big rumor, the big signing that's probably maybe hopefully going to happen uh, is uh, Marco Fabian the U.S. Uh, sorry, the Mexican national team stalwart out there in Eintracht Frankfurt right now looks like he will be heading here to MLS. That's where all the rumors are. Um, so there's a lot of questions on Twitter about that. So let's get into it for right now. Mike, uh, who's uh, at Thomas one six zero six four, asking, uh, "What do you make of the rumors that Fabian uh, may just have a layover in Philly prior to his final destination in Miami? That, of course, is David Beckham's team, Inter Miami." Um, I think things that I've heard, I don't know if that's true. And Taylor Twelman, who kind of broke this story nationally, uh, kind of poo-pooed that as well. Um, I'd be surprised if that happens, but I'm, I'm, you know, nothing surprises me when it comes to the union, but, uh, it, it, it's interesting. The only place I kind of saw that was blend, which is usually a pretty solid, solid source of information in Germany, one of the top papers over there. But, uh, We'll see, and we'll we'll see if and when uh, this signing finally happens. What the particulars are, if it's a long term deal, four, five, two, three, four years, or something like that, where he's where he's locked in, and and, and Marco Fabian's not going anywhere. We'll see if it's a one year deal. Who knows? Then then you know that opens a lot of a lot of things up. Um, what can I hear? So this is Kevin Odell. Uh, part of the Fabian rumors that would be one year later again. We'll just talk about that. Well, that that would be if our union deal, haha, uh, is it bad to have just a run while Aronson gets better acclimated? If he is supposed to be the real deal, we should want him getting minutes sooner, not later. And you know, Aronson, of course, the the academy guy that's coming up, who from all and everything you're hearing projects. At the attacking uh, midfield spot, you have Fontana out there as well. But I remember just talking to Jim Curtin last year about that. He projects more as a deeper, uh, more deep line player, maybe like an eight, uh, something that, that Harris Medunian plays, kind of guy with the ball at his feet, kind of with more to feel in front of him, where Aronson's more the guy that's going to make that final pass. Um, again, I, I don't know. We got to see the particulars of the deal when it comes down. 
uh, I, I'm for giving Aronson some more time. He's really young. You know, he's 18, 19 years old. Uh, if he can, you know, get some spot time here coming in, if there's an open cup run, he, he gets some time into that. You know, if he comes off, if he's the first substitute coming in, if he gets a few spot starts here and there, or it's the, you know, you know when, when in the middle of the summer where you had, where the fixtures come off thick and fast when you have, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, plus an open cup thing thrown in there. Um, you got, you got to see what the squad rotation is going to look like. So, uh, again, this one year deal thing, we have to see if that's what it's going to be. I don't know if he's, if he's Marco Fabian will just use this as a layover to get to Miami. I, again, my gut says no, but we'll see. But, um, I, I'm for giving Aronson some time. Uh, here's a question from Rich, uh, at Rich underscore Lori. Uh, let's talk about defensive midfielders. Does Harrison deniable ability to start, start the attack, make up for his traffic cone, like defending is Jones ready to take the next step. Does a three man backline make up for this? Uh, exciting times. Yes, it is exciting times. Uh, I know some of my, uh, compatriots out there are advocates of the three man back, uh, backline. It's interesting because you do, you have three very good center backs and, you know, Collins in there. He's he's your depth guy. He's a guy that's kind of pushing guys in training, which is you know nice to have, nice veteran guy to have around there. But really, your your top three are your top three in, in McKenzie, Trusty, and, and and Elliot. And if they figure out a way to get the three of those guys on there, make a drastic shift to you know a three man backline. That'd be interesting. Uh, it's not something you need to have done a lot, but that would be interesting. Um, yeah, as far as Harris, uh, Harris has. You know those skills where he could take the ball off, off the back and just look upfield and pick guys out and get get the get things moving. It's he might go back a little bit to the role he had in 2017 because the Union are changing formations, not relying as heavily on a number ten. So he could be Harris would be could be more involved in the attack where he can get the ball, move it forward uh, a little more. But yeah, his defending, uh, it's something we've talked about and something he's even said that he's, you know, not the best defender in the world. Um, yeah. And as far as Derek Jones, I, I think this is kind of the put up or shut up year for him. And he's a player I think a lot of people like, a lot of people are high on. He has, he has an undeniable skill set and he's got some more refining down in Bethlehem. He's got some, you know, spot substitute situations, but it seems like. Uh, towards the end of the year, Warren Craval kind of moved ahead of him on, on on the depth chart as far as defensive midfielders. It's it's really, you know, if he's really the blue chip guy coming out of the academy that everybody wants him to be. I mean, it, 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 this is kind of the time for him to to grab the reins. I think you know we've we've talked so much about player development with this team and young young players not always hitting hitting their mark and all all those things. But at, at some point, it's also on the player. And I think that might be the situation a little bit with Jones. It's really time for him to make that step. I mean, I think they've really presented him with chances, and I think the environment's good, been good for him to to come to fruition and to, and to make it to the top, to the big club, and, and be a constant contributor. I think it's on. It starts to be on the player at some point, where the player kind of grabs the reins of his career and, and, and moves forward. And I think we're getting to that spot with Jones, and I really. He's a guy I'm pulling for. I mean, he's a guy I, I want. I want to see uh, see play well for the union and really contribute. Uh, um, kind of moving through here. Uh, so this is uh, from Richard Saunders. Uh, 
steady listener of the show. Always, uh, always great to hear from you. Uh, what would the union or the team? Uh, what would the team have to do to extend Fabian's contract? Was what is his contribution to that? Will Ali also be leaving? Will Ali Bedoya also leave for Miami? I, I don't. No, uh, I, I don't know if that's a rumor that Ali wants to have, you know, Ali grew up, uh, he's born in Jersey, but grew up in uh, in Southern Florida. I don't know if that's in the cards for him moving down there. He's he's pretty ensconced in Philadelphia. I mean, he's he's a big part of the identity of the team. He's the captain. He, it, it's it's in a lot of ways, it's his team at this point. Again, it, it, it's tough to talk about uh, Marco Fabian in, in regards to this until you see what the deal is. Again, if it's a one-year deal, then a lot of things are on the table. Is he just here for a year? Is he moving on to Miami when Miami's ready to play? I don't know. Um, if it's a multiple-year deal, then, then that shows commitment from the player that he's going to be here for a while, and you, you got to like that. Um, here's a funny question from Peter Andrews, who's one of the great writers over at our partners at the Philly Soccer Page, uh, which this is about the War of the Fabians, which would you rather have Marco Fabian or Fabian Herbers? <sighs> You know, I was I was a fan of uh, Fabian Herbers, but if, if given my choice, I think we got to go with Marco. Just saying. Thank you, Peter, for that completely silly contribution to the show. Um, what else do we got here coming up? Oh, uh, my good friend Jeffrey Mitchell, longtime listener, has been with us since the beginning. Um, very involved with youth soccer in Philadelphia, and he wants me to give a shout-out to uh, Roxborough United. U10 champs and there's your shout out and it's, you know, I love youth soccer. I love youth soccer in the city and that's the future of the sport. And, you know, Jeff and guys like Jeff are out there giving their time to the sport and helping things move along. And uh, that's great. So I, and I don't mind at all giving, giving you guys a shout out and I hope, uh, hope nothing but good things for the players over there. I think that is a, about uh one one more question from michael another longtime listener uh how concerned are folks about the rumors of a failed physical for marco uh if cleared and signed what else does you need to do to open up to get an open cup final win and or home uh, playoff game uh i haven't heard about the failed uh the, the failed physical i know he's had some back issues i think we're going up to last year's world cup there was a there was a failed, uh, not a failed. There was some back. He had back issues coming running into that. Uh, Marco Fabian. I've not seen anything about. Uh, um, this is a lot of rumors swirling around about the signing. You know, this proposed signing that may or may not have. That is probably going to happen, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, I haven't seen anything about the uh, about the failed physical. So there's a failed physical out there. That's that's obviously an issue, and it's something the team has to deal with, and we'll see. But um, you know, but. Like Doug said, this is exciting. This is this, if if this goes through, this is going to be a very big signing for the union, and it really kind of plants their flag uh, for the year where they want to go. They they lost Bark Dutchell in that attacking role, and they go out and get a guy like you know Marco Fabian, a guy that they could come into that role. It's going to be a little different role again. His formations are different. If you know. Ernst Tanner, if anybody's seen the lineups, it's, it's pretty obvious. But definitely Ernst Tanner saying, seen the lineups for, for preseason that they're they're not they're they're not using wingers anymore in the traditional sense. They're they're not going to have wide players. Fafa Pico is going to be more central. Uh, same thing with David Akam. You know, your width is coming from your fullbacks. That's kind of why they uh, 
Keegan Rosenberry, I think, became expendable because he's not that kind of fullback that's going to kind of run the line. He was a fullback that wanted the ball and kind of and wanted to connect with other players and do do that. Where you have uh, Olivier and Bozzi, who's going to who, who you know the limited time I've seen him, he's got it. He runs with full head of steam. He wants to run the line. He wants to peg. You know, he wants to pin uh, pin wingers back and pin the other fullback back with his speed and physicality. Um, and if you want to got to get that matched on the, on the other side. It's it's going to be interesting and and see kind of where you know if this happens where Fabian Marco Fabian fits into that role, but yeah, they came in and you know they lost a very good player in Bart Dutchkel who led the league in assists and you know after after a few weeks really acclimated himself into playing in MLS and, and did a fine job and the, you know and they go out and get get a big name a recognizable name guys played in World Cups guy you know played in the Mexican League played over you know played in, in the Bundesliga things like that. It, it really plants a flag, and something I've, I've harped on. You know, this signing is great, and it's great that they can do it. What do they do in mid in the mid season uh, window? And there was two seasons where they didn't sign anybody in the, in the mid season window. When you had opportunities to strengthen your team to make you either push yourself into the, in the playoffs or make yourself a better playoff team, if the right move came along, what do they do in that window? And I'm curious to see when it when it rolls around what with with the brain trust over there, what, what Ernst Tanner does. When that when that window opens, where the team is, and if they see the right player, if they make that move, that that will be a big sign to me. Um, so I think I'm going to wrap it up on that. You know, it's, it's always no Mike, no Mike this week's always no Mike Cervetti this week's always we're doing it solo. But you know, I had your Twitter questions, which were great, and once again, I want to thank Doug from the Philadelphia Union for really uh, kind of filling us in on what goes on. Uh, behind the scenes with some of the stuff we've been talking about the past couple weeks, sports jerseys and things like that. So I want to thank everybody and we'll catch you next week.